Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. It's that time of year. It seems like there's a Christmas party everywhere. Work, school, neighborhoods, and even shopping malls. And around all our New Hope campuses, it's as if everybody is getting ready for a party. A Christmas party fit for a king. That's the current series that Dr. Benji Kelly is leading us through. So grab your pen and paper, and here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. How we doing, church? You guys doing well? want to welcome all of the campuses. We're glad you guys are joining us. And uh, hey, let's just jump right in today. No need to play around. Let's just pray together, and then we're going to get into the Word. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for the season of Christmas. May it become even more clear to us today. God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, just as your holy scriptures teach us. God, I pray that you would increase. God, I pray that I would decrease. I pray that you would be glorified, magnified, and exalted on high today. We thank you for your word, which we turn to now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in a series called... uh, a Christmas party. How many of you are like ready for Christmas? I mean, you're like in. Yeah, see, I, I think there's a little, I think there's a little slowness on all of our parts. I know mine included. How many of you are just like, you know, you, you're having a hard time getting into the spirit this year? Any honest people? Yeah. Reminds me of a guy. True story. True story. He was just fed up with Christmas. He was disgusted with all the Christmas hoopla, the crass commercialism. And so he decided this year he was going to revolt Christmas. He wasn't going to give any gifts, any cards, nothing, and he made it 15 days. And around December 15th, he just couldn't take it anymore because the gifts had been coming and the cards were coming, and he just broke down the spirit of Christmas, just got a hold of them. So he headed out and he went to the local drugstore and he bought a box of 50 Christmas cards. Rushed home real quick, frantically addressed them, stamped them, knew he needed to get them to the post office. So he took off that very night, got them to the post office about 1130 in the evening, threw them in the mailbox, if you will, went back home, thought, done. Next day he got up, he's walking through his house with a cup of coffee, and he realized he only filled out 49 of them, so there was one card left. And he saw the card up on top of the mantle at the fireplace, and so he grabbed it and he goes, wow, I didn't even read it, and he started to read the card. And this is what the card said. This cheery card has come to say, a gift from me is on the way. (laughs) Woo! What do you do with that, right? When I heard that story, I thought that's exactly what Christmas is all about, a gift. Come on now, church. A gift is on its way. And the ultimate gift that we're here to celebrate today is Jesus Christ. Amen. A Christmas party fit for a king. Now, this is a this is the Mac Daddy of all parties. This is not the dreaded office party that you have to go to. This is not, you know, the 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 exchange party that you gotta go to. I mean, enough already of the white elephant, if you know what I mean, right? This is a Christmas party. That is worthy of our utmost celebration. And today what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to help us understand why that's the case. Today I'm going to try to help us understand a natural progression as to what 
happens when a person truly experiences Christmas and where we go from there. Now, on Tuesday and Wednesday night of this week, I'm going to be teaching from John chapter 1 and 1 John 1. And so as I was thinking about today, knowing that I was doing that, I thought, you know what, we're going to camp out on this Christmas Sunday in the old traditional Christmas story found in Luke chapter 2. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 and let's go get this today. Luke chapter 2. A Christmas party fit for a king. Everybody say salvation. A Christmas party fit for a king is all about salvation. Now, I want to go ahead and just admit on the front end that salvation is a churchy word, right? And if we're a church that's hopefully reaching unchurched, dechurched people in the 21st century, some people might not fully understand what that word even means. Let's run to the scriptures first, and then I'm just going to kind of unpack a definition of it, if you will. Go to Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. Simeon was waiting on the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus, now get a visual of this. When they brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law, Simeon took Jesus into his arms, this old man who had been in the temple, who was waiting for the Messiah of Israel. He took Jesus in his arms, and look at what he said here. Look at what he said. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace For my eyes have seen your, what is it again? Salvation. My eyes, Simeon, those old eyes that that probably couldn't see very well anymore. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon, tucked right into the heart of the Christmas story, reminds us on this Sunday before Christmas that this birthday that we celebrate, this gift of Jesus, is all about salvation. To which you might wonder, well, this, what is, what is that? This, if you're a note taker, write this down. If you're not a note taker, write this down. <laughs> Salvation. Come on, let's read this out loud. Ready, go. The act of saving someone from sin or evil, the state of being saved from sin or evil. I mean, that's just good old Webster, right? Salvation, though it's a churchy term, let me just remind you what it is today. Salvation in a godly sense is when a man or a woman receives the Christmas gift of Jesus and realizes that in Jesus their sins are forgiven. In Jesus they are saved. They are in a perpetual state of grace. Their sins are forgiven and they are saved from their sin and from the evil that is all over this world. Hallelujah. Amen. That is what Christmas is all about. And the reason this is important is because we can't put it past humanity. We have this tendency to try to save ourselves. If you go all the way back to the Old Testament, that really is what ancient Israel was trying to do. 
They were trying to obey all the laws, to obey all the commandments, to jump through the religious hoops, if you will, to be right with God, to be good enough, to be religious enough. And what's fascinating to me is if you keep reading the Bible and you get to the Gospels and you see the Christmas story, but if you keep reading and you go over there to a book called Galatians, the Apostle Paul spends the entire book trying to make sure we understand that salvation is based not upon anything that we do, not upon your pedigree, not upon how you serve the church, not upon how often you go to church, but your salvation rests solely in Jesus Christ and his precious blood that he shed on the cross for you and the fact that God raised him from the dead. Look at how Galatians puts it since I mentioned it. Galatians says this. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Go. But when the set time had fully come... Stop. I know I said let's read it out loud, but i got to stop right there. What the Bible is saying is, in the fullness of time... Some translations say that. In the fullness of time, when the time was just right, God decided to come forth and show us how to have salvation. God sent His Son, come on, born of a woman, born under the law... To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Okay, that's inclusive. That masculine there is inclusive. Sonship, women, feminists, all in there. Here we go. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out. The Bible is saying... And when a man or a woman receives the gift of salvation, they are adopted by Almighty God. Did you hear me? The Bible says that if you've received the Christmas gift, you have been adopted as a son or a daughter of the king. That's good news. Now watch this. If you are a son or daughter of the king, God has made you an heir. Hello. And if you are an heir, you have inherited nothing less than full participation in the kingdom here and now. Come on. And when you pass from this world into the next, you will inherit the kingdom of heaven forever, church. That is what it means to experience salvation. And if that doesn't fire you up, listen, I've said this before, your wood is wet. Because the God of the universe, think about this, has adopted you. You are adopted by the king. And I don't care how good your parents are, that's still good news. And if you've got bad parents, that's better news. (laughs) Come on now. Oh, such good news. Everybody say salvation. salvation. Check it out. Let's keep going. Come on. A Christmas party fit for a king is all about worship. A Christmas party fit for a king is is all about worship. As I said, I'm talking to you about the progression today in the life of a believer. So once a believer receives Jesus and they're saved from their sin, they've experienced salvation. The natural response, the byproduct of experiencing salvation is worship. To which some of you might be going, well, hey, I'm good. I'm here today. I got that one. You are here, and I'm so glad you're here. But are you here to worship God? And I know, I know you are. I know most of you are. Are you here to worship God? 
Lord knows don't ever come to put this mere mortal up on a pedestal. You come to worship Almighty God. But here's my question to you that's also equally as important. Listen, do you worship God during other times of the week? Do, do, you, do you understand that when the Bible talks about worship, the Bible is not exclusively talking about Sunday church? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm so glad you're here. And Sunday church is important, and I couldn't miss it for the world. I am so dependent upon gathering with the community of faith and worshiping God. And Hebrews says, let us never, ever, ever give up the habit of meeting together. This is good. But what I want to implore you on this week right before Christmas to understand is this. If all you do is worship God one day a week, the hustle and the bustle of the Christmas season will chew you up and spit you out. Do you understand that God calls us to worship 24-7, 365? Salvation, Simeon teaches us about. But let me tell you about this other beautiful woman that is contained, kind of hidden, if you will, in this Luke 2 text. I named my firstborn child after her. Her name is Anna. And Anna is one of the most beautiful characters i believe in the christmas story let me tell you about her you might not have ever even noticed her in scripture there was also a prophet anna the daughter of penuel of the tribe of asher she was very old she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage so she's an older lady she lives with her husband seven years her husband passes away she's a widow watch this and then was a widow until she was 84 she never left the temple, but what church? But worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. The progression of experiencing Christmas is that we first and foremost allow God through his grace and his peace and his mercy to save us from all of our sins. We experience salvation. But a natural byproduct of that is what you are here to do today, and that is worship. If Jesus has saved your soul, listen to me, church, you can't help but worship him. If Jesus has saved your soul, you can't help but worship him in the workplace. If Jesus has saved your soul, you can't help but worship Jesus in the home. I love how Matthew's gospel picks up this theme of worship. Now, Matthew tells us things that Luke doesn't tell us and tells us thing that, things that John doesn't tell us. But in Matthew 2, we come across the Magi. You remember those cats? Check it out. On coming to the house, they saw the child with the mother Mary. Now, remember, they had followed the what? They followed the star. The star leads them. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. There it is. Then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Everything is crying out in the Christmas story. First experience salvation and then spend your life worshipping before an audience of one. So how are you doing with that? Like, seriously. How are you doing on a daily basis, quieting your soul and quieting your spirit and worshiping God? You do know, don't you? You do not need a human being to worship God. 
Jesus is the great high priest. Come on, church. Jesus gives you access to Almighty God. Jesus and God, what? They are one, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Are you worshiping Him on a daily basis? And I'm not here to beat up on you about that because I'm right there with you. That can be difficult, can't it? We're busy. We're trying to pay bills, trying to get kids here and there, trying to maybe date the spouse. We just got out of love and respect, right? Trying to go to work, right? But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that if we don't figure out how to carve out some time to worship Christ Jesus daily, this busy season will eat our lunch. And here, I'm going to be a prophet for a moment. If you are not careful, you will be staring at the new year going, where in the world did Christmas go? I missed it. So I'm not preaching to you anything that I'm not trying to do. And so at the house this past week, I, I have this fireplace, kind of like most of you, a little fireplace area, right? And I've I've got a couch right in front of the fireplace, and I have, I've been reading lots of books lately, so I'm reading four books at the same time, so I've got my books laid out, and I've got the Bible, and I've got the fireplace, and uh, I've got two candles on this side. Yes, I am a dude who likes candles. You will not have my man card for that. We have, we have two, I have two candles on this side of the fireplace, and I have a, another candle on this side of the fireplace, and, and I have a white, what I consider to be the Christ candle. I have that right there amongst my, my books and my Bible. And then on this end table, I've got two candles, and then on this end table, I've got, oh, I'm not joking. And, I, and I've, got, I've got all this going on. And so what I've been doing lately is I've been getting up really, really early, and sometimes I don't even have to set a clock. God's just been stirring me and getting me up. And I, I get up, and, and the house is quiet, and I, I just worship. And I'm there this week, and Caleb, Caleb Timothy, my fourth-born boy, he rolls up in there early, and Caleb's like a tornado, if you know what I mean. And he busts up in there, and he, it's early morning, man. It's when his eyes are still crusty, if you know what I'm saying. Still got that morning breath, if you know what I'm saying. And he throws his arm around me, and he, and he looks around. He goes, Daddy, are you turning this place into a church? And I said, no, Caleb. And then he goes, oh, what's for breakfast? And, and, and he turns, and as he's walking out, he goes, well, you must be trying to worship or something. And I didn't say anything to him. I just let him leave, and I thought, oh, God, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. It's exactly what I'm trying to do. And it's exactly what I'm imploring you to really try to seize this week. Figure out a way in which you can crack the word open. And maybe you put some good praise music on. And you get in prayer and you read the word. Because Christmas is about you and I afresh and anew humbling ourselves. Come on church. And bowing before the Christ child and adoring him with all that we have within us. Worship. And if I have to, you know define salvation i might just define worship for you because i want to make sure we get this today come on out loud ready go it's the act of showing respect and love for god now i don't know about you but like when i saw that this week and i was doing some research i saw the word what respect and we just came out of a series called love and respect how we love our wives as Christ loved the church and how the wife is called in Ephesians 5:33 to respect the husband and that perfect picture of love with the masculine and the feminine. I was just struck by that, that Webster defines worship as the act of showing respect and love 
for God. Watch this. Especially by praying with other people who believe in the same God. It's the act of worshiping God. And you can take and study this divine thread that runs throughout the entire Bible, this theme of worship. Exodus 20, 2 and 3 puts it like this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Psalm 86 would put it like this. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and you do marvelous things. You alone are God. Everybody say worship. John 4 would say this. Yet a time is coming and now has come. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in what? You remember? Spirit and in truth. Revelation 14, 7, love this verse of scripture, which by the way, I'm doing a series on the book of Revelation. I am doing it in 2015. You have asked for it long enough. It is coming. It is called breaking the code. I cannot wait, but I digress. Revelation 14, 7 says this. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. Everyone say worship. So this progression that starts when a person humbles themselves at the nativity and they receive Jesus and they receive salvation, the natural response to that is worship of Almighty God. And and here's the third thing if you're taking notes. Be sure to write this down. A Christmas party fit for a king is all about being a what? It's all about being a witness. Now, here's what blows my mind as I was studying it this week. It's as if God was orchestrating the entire cosmos and calling different groups of people to witness this birth of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not before, but it could have just been Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and God. But the Magi come, right? They come following the star. Then you got the shepherds. Remember the shepherds? The shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks at night. Some of you just went to Charlie Brown right there. Come on back. Come on back. Which is an awesome rendition of the Christmas story. The shepherds, they were keeping watch over their flocks. And the angel said, do not be afraid for I bring you good news of great joy. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ, the Lord. And then watch this. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his on what his will come back to that on whom his favor rests when the angels had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about There was this witnessing of the birth of Jesus that God saw fit to orchestrate on that very first Christmas night. But here's what's really cool. If you keep reading in that same story, watch what the shepherds did. After they witnessed it, watch what they did out loud. Ready? Go. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. For all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been 
told. Everybody say witness. The shepherds, the lowest of the low life, they show us what the natural response of experiencing Christmas was all about. These shepherds lived in the fields. They were the lowest socioeconomic level in first century Palestine. The angel calls them to experience this. They witness it, but then look, they go out and they do what? They witness. So it gives me a chance to ask you today on this Sunday right before Christmas, are you doing any witnessing? In other words, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? And I'm challenging you and I'm encouraging you and I'm thrusting you out into the community right here on this Sunday before Christmas. And I am asking you, if you have witnessed salvation, if you have worshipped Jesus, follow the progression of the Christmas story and go out and witness to the people that you know, the people that you encounter, the people in your workplace, the neighbor who gets on your last nerve, whatever the case may be. Witness to the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I've I've been thinking today whether or not I was going to do this, and I didn't do it in the first service. In fact, I didn't even think about it before the first service, but in in the middle time between the first and the second service, I went to my office, and I started thinking about this world that we live in. And I'm going to go there for just a moment if it's okay with you. Our world, and I know you know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Our world is spinning out of control. And I'm not, y'all been with me long enough, you know, I'm not one of those doomsday kind of people who are always looking for a demon under a rock and always cursing everything and the world's coming to an end. And No, no. But it is at a feverish pitch now that I don't think I can ever recall. You got... Racial tensions in our country like I can't ever remember. You've got, you've got classism at an all-time high. You've got a world that is hell-bent on violence. I think about what has gone on in recent days with the Michael Brown situation in Ferguson. I think about the situation in New York with Eric Garner. And we are a fully integrated and racially diverse church, so we can talk about such things, and all churches should talk about such things. I had a party at my house last night with all the staff and spouses and children, and we had like 90 people up in my house last night. Can you say cray-cray? <laughs> but after they left... I was sitting on the couch recovering. (laughs) And I cut on the television. And I saw what happened yesterday, just yesterday. Maybe you haven't heard. Well, there was a police car in and around the Brooklyn area, parked with two officers sitting in the front seat of the police car. And a guy comes up beside the car and with an assault weapon, got in an assassination position and just just leveled them. And then that person who, if I'm not mistaken, the news is saying he has declared on Instagram that that was his retaliation 
for the Brown and the Eric Garner situation, he then went into the subway and took his own life. Now, I don't have time to unpack all the nuances that's involved in all of that. And I'm, actually, I'm going to be talking about this some in 2015 when I hit hot topic issues. And you know I'm not afraid to talk about race. But what I wanted to stop by and just let you know on this Christmas before Sunday is, listen to me, the world is in desperate need for Jesus. The world is in desperate need for hope. The world is in desperate need for God. And and I understand all the racial issues, and y'all know I hate racism, and I grew up in the deep south where I was raised around racism. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if you're Latino, Pacific Islander, white, black, Asian. We don't have a skin problem in this country, as one brother recently said. And I know we have racism, but it's deeper than a skin problem, church. We don't have a skin problem. What we have is a sin problem. And the only answer to sin is Jesus. And this stuff matters. This stuff that we believe, this stuff that we say, this stuff that we sing, this stuff that we rap, this stuff that we do on Sundays, it matters. The world is spinning out of control. And it needs Jesus. So that's why I, we're doing everything we can to equip you, to witness. I mean, you got an email account? Not that hard. Email everybody in your outlook, right? And say, hey, I got a great church. I'd love to invite you to the Christmas services. Here's our website, newhopechurch.org. How easy is that? And I got to tell you, let me pause for a moment. If you can't invite people to this church, if you can't invite people to this church, I don't know that you'll ever find a church that you can invite people to. A fully racially, socioeconomically diverse church where people are here because they love God. They're not here because they have to be. Where people wave at you with white freaking hands at the driveway. Where we got a cafe and a resource center and awesome worship. And I'm not bragging on the church. I'm just pointing out if you can't invite people to this church, which is a witness. I don't know that you will ever find any church. That you're going to be able to invite people to. Facebook. How many of you are, how many of you are Facebookers? Facebookers. Facebook. I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. Facebook, right? Yeah, Facebook. What a platform to witness. Talk about your faith. Throw a verse out there. And every now and then let them know, hey, there's a great church that we would love to have you at. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you smell like. It doesn't matter what you did last night. You are welcome at New Hope Church. And let me just connect the dot here for a moment. Some of you, I'm talking about worship every day, worship every day. Some of you, what you really need to do is get your face out of Facebook and get your face in his book and worship God. Twitter, how many of you have Twitter? Tweet about your faith. Tweet verses of scripture. Link them to our Facebook page, the church Facebook page. Link them to our Twitter feed. Witness. It matters. This is not about growing a name of New Hope. This is not about Benji Kelly. This is about the fact that there is a heaven and a hell. And real people go there. This is about, about the fact that this world is out of control. 
And the one reason, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought why you're still sucking oxygen? Have you ever, have you ever just thought, God, why am I still here? Because you do know he could wipe you out. Bam! You ever thought about why you're still sucking oxygen? Why you're, why you're still taking up space? Why am I? To witness. You say, wait a minute, isn't it to worship? No! Heaven's going to be awesome worship. I mean, like, I don't like a big church. Well, you're going to hate heaven. worship in heaven the reason you're still here even if you're not living it out is so that you can witness to people so we got a website we got, we got Facebook we got Twitter as far as I can tell I can hear all of you laughing you have a fully functioning mouth tell people about your faith don't be ashamed. Do you know that Jesus said, if, if you acknowledge me before people on earth, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you disown me before people on earth, I will disown you before my Father in heaven. Hello. And the most beautiful people on planet earth, without exception, are those who learn to stop living for themselves and they start to live for a greater cause, a capital P purpose. And, and Romans would pick up on this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? Watch this. And how can they hear without someone preaching? And some, some of you just went, oh, I'm not a preacher. One of my favorite quotes of all time is by an early saint by the name of St. Francis of Assisi. And St. Francis said, preach all the time and only when you have to use words. Hello. This is not just to preachers without someone preaching to them. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Watch this, and I love this. And it is written, get, get an image of this in your mind. How beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Be a witness. Let your life count for something other than paying bills or seeing how much of an earning income you can get or how many likes you got on Facebook or Twitter or how many followers you have. We should not give a flip about how many followers we have unless it is to cause people to follow Jesus. Come on, church. I want to go back to that verse that I, that I told you we'd come back to earlier. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his what? His favor rests. Have you ever wondered what causes God's favor to rest on you? Have you ever thought about that? We have a tendency to make it way too complicated. Because here's where I want to end us today. I want to make sure... That every single person that leaves this place today has an opportunity to experience salvation. See, I can't expect you to worship and I surely can't expect you to go out and witness if you're not saved.
And you might be here because somebody brought you. You might be here because somebody witnessed to you. And you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved. You can know. You can know that when you leave here today, that you're saved in the grace of God. You can know that. And then that is what sets your life on a trajectory of authentic worship. Not just Sunday worship, but worship 24-7. And then you can know that God wants to use your life to witness to others for Jesus. You can know. But here's my question. Are you saved? Are you saved? And I can't talk to you about being saved unless I remind you that the Christ child who was born in the nativity scene is the same one who actually lived 33 years and died on a blood-stained cross for your sins. It's often been put like this. The shadow of the cross falls across the manger. Would you, would you look with me just in closing? Look at the cross through the lens of Bethlehem. Check it out. The baby is wrapped in swaddling cloths. The body will be wrapped in a shroud when it is pulled off of a blood-stained cross where he died for you. The baby is born in Bethlehem, the city of David. The Christ will be crucified and raised just outside of David's city, the New Jerusalem. Mary endures the pains of childbirth. Mary would suffer the pain of the sword piercing her heart at Calvary as she watched her son die. For the salvation of the world. The baby's birth is marked by a star. We've already talked about that. Check this out. Christ's crucifixion is marked by a noonday eclipse. The rending of the curtain in the temple and a rock-splitting earthquake. The baby is laid in a stranger's manger. The body will be buried in a borrowed tomb. Do you see it? Do you see Calvary through the lens of Bethlehem? The baby's birth is announced by angels. The resurrection is announced by two men in dazzling clothes. The shepherds come with haste to the stable. The women will come early and the disciples will come hurriedly to an empty tomb. The baby will be found as a sign. The body will be raised as a sign to everyone. Receive this Christ for your salvation. And then worship him all the days of your life. And allow him to use you. Yes, you. You, 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 me. As a witness for the fact that salvation has come. You see, church, if all I ever do is talk to you about grace and mercy, and peace. At the end of the day, what you're really going to want to do is just let's just hold hands and sing Kumbaya. But that's only half the gospel. What I want to remind you on this Sunday before Christmas is that there is grace, yes, but there is truth. What I want to remind you today is that every single person here will face the judgment of Almighty God. If I only preach the grace and the love and the peace and the mercy, I'm giving you only half the gospel. Hear me. Yes, there's grace, truth, peace, mercy, all that, but there's also judgment. There's also truth. And you and I and everybody else on planet Earth will stand before Almighty God. 
My question to you today is this. As you think about that day, that judgment day, do you know that you know that you are saved? If you do, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're just a little unsure or you don't know, I want to invite you to allow Christ to come in today as your salvation for the forgiveness of sins and to place you in a position where you'll live the rest of your life knowing that you know when you face judgment, it will be a good day for you. Do you know, it's so witness language. I don't know about you. I don't know what you think about when you think of the word witness. Maybe it's because I've been in too many courtrooms. When I think of witness, I think of somebody in a courtroom. Anybody else with me? In the court of law, there's usually a witness or two that will testify to the truth. Did you know that Jesus in the New Testament is referred to as the advocate? Did you know this? If any man sin, we have a what? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Let me just break that down for you. Here's the reality. You are going to die. Get you some of that. Welcome to New Hope Church. And when you die, the Bible says it is appointed unto man that you shall die once. One more verse of scripture. If you're taking notes, you don't want to miss these scriptures. It is appointed unto men once to die and after that face Face what? You will stand before your maker one day, and so will I. And when I stand before God, and when you stand before God, your whole life is going to flash before God, the good and the bad. And let me just go ahead and let you know, I don't care how good you are, your sins are going to line up a country mile long. And if you're not in Christ, judgment will be upon you. And it will not be because you didn't have an opportunity. But if you know Christ, the Bible says he is your advocate. And when God Almighty looks down upon you, for those who've experienced this Christ child of Christmas, he will look at you. He will see your good. He will see your sin. He will see your bad. He will see all of that. But Jesus will be right there with you. And he will be your advocate. And because he's there with you, and because you have Christ in your life, the Father will look at you, and he'll see Jesus' blood and what he did for you on the cross and he'll say well done well done good and faithful servant come in to the kingdom that has been prepared for you do you know him are you sure let's make sure and then let's worship God just the way we started let's worship God and then let us remember that when we walk out of those doors today and you get to the end of the driveway, you will see a sign as you do every Sunday. You are entering the mission field. Go forth and witness to the God who has saved your soul for all eternity. Let's make sure we've received that. Let's pray. All heads bowed and eyes closed Jesus thank you thank you for being our advocate Father God thank you for sending Jesus 
that we can have this abundant life that begins now. God, I thank you for every person here who knows you, God. They came to this place saved and secure in who you are, Christ. But Lord Jesus, I want to pray for the people who are here, maybe even just the person who they just might not know. Well, God, they might be like I've been many times in my life where I just want to receive you again and humble myself this Christmas season and bow before the nativity and realize from there you walked among us and you showed us grace and you showed us truth, John 1. And you went to a blood-stained cross and you died there for me. And the Father has raised you to new life so that I can live with this resurrection power and witness to more people. So if you're here today and you need to shore some of that up, you need to, you need to make sure you know that you know that you know that you're saved in the gracious arms, the everlasting arms of Almighty God. And you will seek Him and you will seek His grace and you will also seek His truth to live your life on purpose for Him. If that is you in any kind of way, shape, or form, I want you to just pray a simple prayer in your heart. You don't have to say this out loud. Just just pray it with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for leaving heaven and coming to planet Earth. Thank you for the life-saving mission that we see that you lived out in the Scriptures. Thank you for dying on a cross for me, Lord Jesus. I am a sinner. And I so desperately need you to be my Savior. Come into my heart today, Lord Jesus. Come into my mind today and give me the mind of Christ. Come into my body today, Lord God, and let me live on point for you let me worship you in spirit and in truth let me experience this unspeakable joy that we sang about earlier and let me leave this place today realizing that my life is still on planet earth to witness to people for you use us we pray In the strong and powerful name of Jesus, let the people of God say, amen and amen. Merry Christmas, church. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org. And our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.